Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany. I'm so, so, so thankful for another morning, another chance to corporately yet virtually gather with God's uh, people to celebrate and proclaim the praises of our great God and our King Jesus. Make no mistake about it. The reason we gather is to praise Jesus. He is the one that deserves our praise. He is the hero. And we do so through singing. We do so through, uh, through, through, through proclamation of the word of God. And uh, I'm excited about our chance to do that today. Uh, it is a rainy morning, but nevertheless, it's a good morning as the worship team was singing everything and how Jesus is everything to us. I don't know about y'all, but that thing was touching me deeply. I was sitting in my, my office and I was uh, worshiping as they started to go down the list of him being a master and a savior. And, and then ultimately, all that is summed up in the person and the work and the name of Jesus. At that name, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord well, I want to cut out the small talk and get right to it. Why don't you grab your Bibles and get to Acts chapter 17, the New Testament book written by a guy named Luke. We're going to be in Acts chapter 17. As you turn to Acts chapter 17, man, we are continuing, continuing on in our sermon series, Built Different. Uh, and the goal of this sermon series is to talk about how, you know, in the hood, they'd say, yo, B, I'm just built different. It's to talk about how God has created us and designed us and made us. And once we've professed faith in Jesus, we just got a different worldview. We, we got a different lens. And it's almost like we're taking off our old vision and putting on a new vision. And we have a different set of, um, uh, of rules that we go by, a, a different set of laws that we go by. And that's because our citizenship is no longer here, but it is now in heaven. Last week, we looked at Luke chapter 23 and got to look at these women that were grieving at the burial of Jesus Christ. And really there was four principles that we picked up about how we grieve different or how we cry different, how we go through emotional trauma different. We were talking about how they, these women didn't grieve alone. They didn't grieve in isolation, but they grieved together with the body. And that's one of the benefits that we have is that when we go through hardship, we go through with others we also talked about how after the death of Jesus, they remained committed to Jesus. They didn't just follow him when he was alive, but they followed him to the tomb even after his death. And we talked about how, how simple this was, that they just took time to rest. The Bible says on the Sabbath, they rested. So we talked about the emotional trauma that, that we have in our life and that baggage can really weigh on us and it can really cause some physical um, some, some physical hardships in our, in our bodies. And so resting is important. And then lastly, we talked about how their trauma and their hardship was not a license to sin. The Bible says that they went, uh, uh, that they remained, uh, that they went rested on the Sabbath as it was commanded, meaning they were faithful to whatever God was calling them to. And today we're going to, we're going to be in the same topic of built different, but we're going to be in a little, a little bit of a different, um, avenue, if you will. We're going to be talking about how we are built different as it relates to how we engage with the culture. That's one thing all of us have in common. None of us are exempt from engaging with the culture. If you are alive, if you are breathing, 
today you are engaging somehow with the culture. And the question is, are you engaging in a positive way? Are you engaging in a negative way? And I think Acts 17 will help us. Quick disclaimer, um, you know, this is a quick, uh, a quick update that we actually are going to spend two weeks in this same verse. So next week you can expect that we'll be back in Acts chapter 17. It's just too much in it. It's too much to rush through. As I was finishing up the sermon this week, I realized I had eight points. That's just, that goes against every preaching rule. You don't give more than three, maybe four, but you don't give eight points. So today we're going to break it up and do a few points today. And then next week we will be back in Acts chapter 17 as Paul stands in the Areopagus and proclaims the praises of Jesus. Let me jump right in. I hope y'all are all right. I saw y'all greeting each other this morning. I got the chat sitting up here right above me. Y'all can't see it, uh, but it's good to see you guys engaging. Sherry, it's good to see you. Jess, I see you in here. Uh, Val, I see you in here. Victoria, I see you in here. It's so good to see you guys. Cadmill, Rob, love you guys. All right, won't y'all pick me up? Acts chapter 17. If you have a physical copy, make sure you take your tassel and put it right in Acts 17 because we'll be back here next week. If you have a physical, if you have your, your device, just make sure you mark it somehow. Bookmark it. Pick me up in verse 16. It says, now while Paul was waiting for them, them meaning his friends, possibly Silas and Timothy and maybe even Luke. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... His spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And he said, and, they, and, they, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you were presenting. For you bring some strange thing to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there, who uh, would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive, perceive that in every way you were very religious. For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship and found an altar with the inscription, please underline this, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives, all, gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation and mankind to live on all the faces of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed his offspring. 
being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stones or images formed by art and images in the imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has appointed of this he has given assurance to us by raising him from the dead. Now when all heard, now, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went from their miss. Please don't miss this last part. Just the A part of verse 34. But some men joined him and believed. I'm going to stop there. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, We Think Different. If I could use as a subtopic, I would say, we think different about cultural changes. Think different about cultural changes. Let's, uh, let's go to the Lord before we, uh, before we dig into this massive text. Uh, Father, we are in need of your presence. We thank you, oh God, for how you visit us each and every week and each and every day and each and every second. Wherever we're piping this from today, whether it, we're at home still in the bed or we're up cleaning the house, whether we're out in this cold and rainy weather, wherever we are, we thank you that your presence is near and close to us even now. So, Father, I pray that you would remove the scales from our eyes so that we may Behold the wondrous things out of your word. Show us stuff that we've never seen before. For the person that has some background in Bible and background in knowledge, I pray that they would see something fresh in this passage. For the person that has never heard this story before, may they find Jesus. May they hear about the wondrous works of our Savior. It's in Christ's name I give all glory. Amen. We think different. I, I think it would behoove us today to start the sermon with a working definition of what culture actually means. Because if I ask 10 people, what does culture mean? My, my guess is that we'll get 10 different answers. I actually put together a little bit of a definition for you to consider. And then I, I, I got found one that probably is a little bit closer to what it means. Here, here's what I put together uh, of a definition of what culture is. Culture is the characteristics that make up a particular group of people encompassing language, religion, cuisine, sports, politics, fashion, social habits, music, and art. Let me, let me say that one more time. Culture is the characteristics that make up a particular group of people encompassing language, religion, cuisine, sports, politics, fashion, social habits, music, and arts. It's the Center for Advanced Research on Language Acquisition that uh, says it this way. They, they take it a step further. They define culture as a shared pattern of behaviors and interactions, cognitive constructs, and understandings that are learned by so, uh, socializing, not written laws. That's what the Center of Advanced Research for Language Acquisition would say. That there's not just one thing that makes up the culture. 
You can't point to one area and say, oh, that's cultural. That, that's what defines my culture. That may be a piece of what defines your culture, but that's not all that defines your culture. Culture is often defined not by some written rules of this is what it means to be in the culture, maybe a, a little bit, but for the most part, culture is a bunch of unwritten rules, a, a bunch of things, that, the cultural norms that are unspoken that we all adhere by. I, I personally am a black man, excited to be that. Psalms 139, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm a black man that grew up in the United States, which means there's some cultural norms that, uh, that I grew up with. I, I, I may have grown up in a different household than somebody else that looks like me, but there are some unspoken norms that we all adhere to. And we don't even talk about it. Can I go through a couple of cultural norms? You may have some differently, di different if you are uh, of a different background. It's an unspoken rule in the black community that ginger ale heals everything. I mean, that, that's just facts. It, you got the flu, go get ginger ale. You got a stomach ache, go get ginger ale. You got a broken leg, go get ginger ale. Ginger ale heals everything in the black community. There are some, also some other cultural norms if I'm walking in a crowd of people and a few people start running, we run and ask questions later. I have friends that will probably stand around and be like, what, what's going on? We, in my community, in my culture, we run and we ask questions later. It's a cultural norm that if you've been playing outside all day and then you come inside the house, somebody in the house is going to say, you smell like outside. I don't know if you know what that smell is, but it's a, it's a certain smell that you have when you've been out in the world all day, and somebody in the house is going to be like, go get in the shower. You smell like outside. That's a cultural norm in my community. It's also a cultural norm that you know that if you sit down at the spades table, you better know how to play spades. You can't, that, that's not a time for you to learn how to play spades. You, you learn how to play by watching. You don't learn how to play by playing. You sit down at this table, you better know exactly what you're doing. And I'm willing to bet, those are my cultural norms, I'm willing to bet that if you're of a different descent and you're of a different ethnicity, my, my guess is that you have a set of unspoken norms and unspoken rules. In fact, if you do me a favor, whoever you are, wherever you are, won't you take a second and just drop a cultural norm in the chat that that's something that you, you know, nobody else knows, but this is what my whole, everybody in my community knows that this is what we adhere to. Won't you drop a couple of those? I'm interested after the sermon to scroll through the chat and see what you guys were talking about. And that's just, you know, that, that's just me trying to understand my culture. The question is, how do I engage my culture, right? How, how do I look at all of these unspoken rules and navigate them as a Christian, as a believer? And how do you do that in the culture in which you were growing up in? And here's what's crazy. We live in New York, right? If, if you're here in New York, I, I live here in Brooklyn where uh, my ethnicity is not the only ethnicity around me. You, you look around, there's a bunch of cultural norms that none of us really even are aware of. And so we have to figure out how do we engage people? How do we engage the culture? The craziest part about the culture is once you think you have it figured out, it changes. That's the one thing about cultural norms that they always are changed. They're as unpredictable as the weather. I don't know if y'all are peeping the weather, but, but it, it was like 80 degrees earlier this week. I had on shorts this morning. I literally dug down in my winter stuff and pulled out a fleece because it was freezing cold this morning. AC was on earlier this week. The AC is like, I don't know what you want me to do. Do you want me to blow on? Do you want me not to, to come on? Like... 
We're trying to figure out the culture while it's changing is very difficult. But I think what Paul is going to do today in Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 17, I think is Paul is going to help us to understand how to engage a culture and not just a culture, but a different culture. Please don't miss this. Paul is not from Athens. Paul is not an Athenian. Paul, Paul, Paul is of a different ethnicities, but, but, but yet he comes into the city of Athens and he engages in the culture. And there's some things about how he engages in the culture that I think we should pick up and try to try to practice as we talk about being built different and looking at the culture and thinking differently on how to engage it than everybody else. Won't you look at verse 16? There, there's some stuff in here that I think is important for us to notice right off the bat. He says here, now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. When Paul arrives to Athens, he's waiting for his travel companions. Don't miss this. Paul is not spending the night in Athens. He, he's not there to hang out. He's not there for leisure. He's not, you know, on vacation in Athens. He's actually there waiting, passing through to go to the next city. Commentators will say that he's possibly waiting for Timothy. He's possibly waiting for Luke or waiting for Silas. But Silas, but while he is waiting, he is sitting around the city and he's looking around and he's noticing something about the culture of Athens. It's full of idols. It's full of statues. It's full of, and I say this with a small g, a bunch of different God's Paul is sensitive to what God was provoking in his spirit. Paul, Paul understands that this is not the original uh, mission. It is almost as though God is in heaven calling an audible to what he wants Paul to do. And he wants Paul to while he's waiting to engage the city that is around him. Because Paul understands that he is not a missionary only on a mission trip, but that he is a missionary 24-7. Could that be true of us as well? I wonder if many of us are part-time missionaries. I wonder if many of us are waiting for the mission trip to go overseas in order to engage people when God is like, no, 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 but where you are is full of idols. And I, as a believer, I call you to maximize every single season. Do you know that, that there's not a season in your life where you should not be maximizing it for the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ? Instead of twiddling his thumbs, Paul decides to look around the city and see the cultural norms. Paul decides to look around the city, and while he's looking, he is provoked within his spirit. But being provoked within your spirit and having a burden to see the idols in and of itself is not enough. Paul easily could look around and say, man, y'all got a lot of idols and then go on to the next city and do nothing. But Paul doesn't do that because he understands that having a burden by itself is not enough. Seeing the idols and the culture in which he is in and the culture in which you are in is not enough. Knowing the strongholds of the city that you live in and the strongholds of the block that you live on, just knowing them isn't enough. God is actually putting that in your spirit and provoking your spirit so that you as a believer could go through life built different and engage it. Whereas before you would just see it and you just pass on. God is like, no, 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 I'm actually pressing this in your spirit. Could God have placed you on that job to look at the idols around it 
and engage it. I'm not saying open up your Bible at work and say, guys, go to Acts 17. I'm not saying do that. But how about being wise in how we interact with people on our job? Maybe God has you there because you were the only believer that that person will ever engage with in all of their life. What, what if God has you there? Could he be provoking your spirit? Well, what if God has you in that family for a reason? You're not just in that family and in that household and in that building to occupy space. We are there and I wonder if God is provoking in us to see the idols and the culture around our family and engage it. But what if God has you in that neighborhood for a reason? What if God has you in that building and on that floor for a reason? Some of you guys are moving and I was talking to somebody today that's moving away. And what if God is moving you away to engage that culture, not just to occupy a space in this world? Could God be provoking you to engage it? Paul certainly looked around and said, you know what? I'm on a, I'm on a missionary journey and I'm passing through Athens and I'm just waiting and I'm waiting for my boys to come. But while I'm waiting, I got to look around and see these idols and I can't just look and see them and do nothing. There's too much spirit in me and now I got to go and actually engage it. Don't make light of the calling that God has put on you. Let me just say that for a quick second. Don't make light of it. Don't make light of the fact that he saved you. He didn't just save you to stop with you. He saved you so that others can know about Jesus. Too often we go through life and we act like we're not really even Christians. We profess it. We're Christians on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, God is like, no, but I'm provoking your spirit not to be silent, but to say something. So Paul comes into Athens and he notices something. He notices their idols. You know, it's funny when I was thinking, you know, sometimes when I'm reading scripture, Wendell, I, I try to, I'll put myself in place of, 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 of what the, the character is. If it's a main character, I want to know what he's feeling. I want to know what he's thinking. And I thought to myself, how would I have engaged Athens if I just was Paul in that moment? And then I realized I would have probably engaged Athens the way I engage other cities when I go on vacation. I just want to see the coffee shops and uh, I, I want to I know what the streets are like and what the culture is like. And I want to know the cuisine. I want to know what the food is like. But Paul is not there to look at the uniqueness of the streets and the quality of the shops. Paul is there and notices their idols. That's the first thing he sees. He's not there as a tourist. Many of us are tourists in our own city. We're still gazing over the beauty of the city. And please look at the beauty of your city, but also look at the idols. Because Paul, the first thing he notices is the idols. As Christians, we look at the same stuff that others look at. But because we are built different, we must see things differently. We must look at the same thing that somebody else looked. Let me say it differently. You must look at the same thing that you looked at. Maybe you grew up in Brooklyn and Brooklyn was never, you know, you, you was just, this is just your hood. But Brooklyn was never a mission field for you. Now that you have trusted in Jesus, you must look at the place that you dwell differently. We listen to the same stuff that others listen to, but we listen differently. We watch the same things that others watch, but we watch differently. We, 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 we look at the same sports that everybody else looks at, but there's a difference in how we do it. We must learn to see the culture, but let me caution you. Because before you can engage the culture, you must learn, Ed, watch this, to study the culture. Don't miss this. Listen, I promise you, if you, this is probably the best I got. If you miss this point, the rest is probably just going to be boring. 
You don't miss this. You must learn not to be so quick to engage the culture without being a student of it first. We have to first study the culture. If you understand Paul and you understand Paul well, he always drops in and knows where he's at. He, he understands the culture in which he is engaging. In fact, if you look, there's some words that's used here in Acts chapter 17 in two verses that are pretty synonymous in the meaning in the original Greek. If you look at this word here in Acts chapter 16, I don't want to lose you here giving you Greek, but uh, I, I, I spent some time this week studying. So let me go ahead and flesh this out. Verse 16 says, now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. Watch this word when he saw that the city was full of idols. Jump down to verse 23 and verse 23 for I passed along and watch this word observed the objects of their worship. Paul was walking and he saw the idols. That word saw is synonymous with him passing along and observing the objects of their, wor- of their worship. The Greek word for saw and, and the Greek word for observed are closely tied together. It's anu theoreo. It, 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 it literally means, don't miss this, to look intensely, to gaze, or to look carefully. In other words, Paul didn't just get in the city and glance at the idols. Paul, Paul, didn't, Paul didn't just get in the city and cut his eye real quick. You know how we do cut his eye real quick and cut back to whatever you're focusing on. Paul didn't, you know that, that emoji with the, with the chubby kid that's looking around like looking real weird. Paul didn't do that when he got in Athens. When Paul got in Athens, this word for observe and saw is where we get our word theater from. It means to, stand, to, to sit in a theater and look intently, intensely at the stage and study everything that is going on. If it's a play study every aspect if it's a movie study one one particular screen for a long time Paul was a student of the culture around him Paul studied it Paul Paul, Paul carefully parsed over their theology Paul understood himself uh, immersed himself into the culture Paul had his ear to the street Paul listened to their politics and knew their politicians Paul knew their poets aka he knew their rappers. How do I know that? In, in verse 28, I, I'm probably going to preach this a little bit more next week. But in verse 28 of the same passage, Paul makes a quote here. I don't know if you know, knew this. But in verse 28, 28, he says, in him we live and move and have our being. But there's something after he says that that caught my attention. Even as some of your own poets have said. In other words, Paul knew their own sto- Stoic poets. He, 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 he knew their Epicurean uh, 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 philosophers. Paul understood. In other words, he knew their rappers. He, he, he knew the people that were spitting bars. And he didn't only know the people that were spitting bars, but he actually knew the bars. Did you know that in your sacred scriptures, in him we live and move and have our being, is Paul quoting one of the Athenian philosophers. This is Paul immersing himself in the culture, and he understood he was a student. If Paul lived in 2021, he'd, have, he'd be on mission, but he'd have on repeat, Joyner Lucas, Drake, and Little Baby. That, that's who he'd have on, on a constant loop if he was doing mission here in 2021. And many churches think that it's wise for us to separate ourselves from the culture. Many, many churches don't want to be considered as worldly as I used, I used to hear that when I was a kid. Or too carnal or, you know, you, you, you guys are too influenced by 
the culture, you, you wouldn't have said that to Paul. You would, you would have probably said that to Paul if you noticed how he engaged in Athens. He knew the culture. And one of the things I understand as a preacher, not just a preacher, as a Christian, is that it's important for me to exegete scripture and exegete the culture at the same time. I don't miss that. It is important for you as a Christian not to be a hermit and be isolated from the culture, but for you to exegete scripture and exegete the culture at the same time. You got to learn how to have the Bible in one hand and breakfast club on the other hand. You, you got to learn how to have the Bible in one hand and LeBron's the shop on the other hand. You, you got to have to learn how to have the Bible in one hand and J. Cole's album in the next hand. That album is fire if you haven't heard it. I'm just letting you know right now it's the best album of 2021. Get at me if you want to. Yeah. You, you got to learn. See, y'all ain't say yeah it, it, through the whole sermon, but I <laughs> preach about J. Cole that y'all start saying yeah. You got to learn how to have both at the same time. I need the Bible, but I also got to be close enough to the culture. Not that I'm influenced by the culture, but that I'm close enough so that I can influence and I can only influence when I found common ground with the culture. And that's exactly what Paul does. Paul understood their poets. Paul understood their local stoic philosophers. Paul understood the culture in which he was at. Paul understood the ways of the Athenians. And oftentimes our church gets painted as being this church that's too culturally influenced. As a pastor, I get that all the time. You don't know how many people be like, you a pastor? Who you pastoring? You know, the carnal sign of me want to be like your mama. But I don't do that. I, I don't say it. I don't say it. I promise you I don't. That, that's what I want to say, but I don't say it. I, I, I get classified as not being liturgical enough. They're like, why are you doing the flavor flay? Put on a clergy collar. And I'm like, why? I want to learn how to engage. I want to be like Paul. I want to be able to walk into Athens and quote their own people. I want to be able to walk in and, and understand the philosophy of, of, of those that are around me and understand the politics. I, I know that I'm not called to withdraw from that. I'm, I'm called to be in it. I'm called to change it by being close enough to it. I, I, I know many of you are like, all right, I, I hear you, Pastor B, but sometimes you do go overboard. But I can promise you this. Anytime I open in this word, I'm going to take us to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because you have to learn how to have the Bible in one hand. You got to learn how to have the culture close in another hand. Don't ever let anyone make you feel bad for being serious enough to study the culture that's around you. Just as serious as you. And you're only serious about it because you're serious about engaging it for the glory and the honor of Jesus Christ. Let me say this to you. You can't only learn to study just your culture either. But you got to learn how to study everybody's culture. And that's one of the beauties of being a part of the body. So one of the beauties of being a part of the church is that you'll get to engage in different cultures that you normally wouldn't engage with. I say this often, but, you know, that being in the part of the church and being a part of community is not like being on a train where you see a bunch of different ethnicities around you. I, no, no, I get, to, I get to learn your culture. It's a privilege for me. I, I get to talk with different ethnicities in the church and hear how they were brought up and hear how they honor their parents and how they have different uh, uh, symbolic things. that they, It's a blessing to be able to, to, to know that and, and be that and, and to eat different foods and watch people cook their different. I learned how to make bok choy. I got, never had that growing up, but I got to learn it by engaging with a different culture. And so Paul understood the Athenian culture 
Acts chapter 17, verse 23, he says, For I passed along, and I observed the objects of your worship, and I found an altar with this inscription. I told you to underline this. To the unknown God. The fact that the Athenians, Athenians had an unknown God demonstrates their lack of clarity and lack of certainty in their own philosopher's intellect. That the fact that in the middle of the city of Athens was a statue with a God that they didn't know. That they, this is them freely admitting that there could be a deity that they are unaware of. They knew that they were flawed in their judgment. They knew that their philosophers were smart, but they wasn't smart enough to figure out every God. There was a God that they didn't know. There was a God that they couldn't put their finger on. There was a God that they did not understand. Athens was a place of some of the smartest, most intellectual people in the world. In ancient Athens, you would have famous playwriters and you'd have historians and you'd have medical geniuses and philosophers and you would have sculptors and all of these brains collectively couldn't figure out this one God. And so they built this, this, this statue and they just said, we're going we're gonna to say that's an unknown God, meaning we're open, right? And they, you know that they open because they said earlier in this chapter that all they would do is, is listen to foreigners. And all they would do is uh, spend time learning something new because they were searching for truth. They knew that their culture was flawed. And you got to understand something about our culture. As much as our culture tries to act like it has a foothold on absolute truth, our culture is flawed. Yeah, there's some truth in it because God's grace is, 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 that's common grace is so beautiful that there's truth in little aspects of even the culture. But the reality is the culture is flawed. I know the Internet is undefeated. I get it. But it's flawed. And don't put so much stock in the culture. You can always find an idol somewhere. They have one that says the unknown God. And Paul's engagement to... Help them to understand this unknown God is filled with carefulness and tenderness. In other words, Paul doesn't get provoked in his spirit. Look around and see all these idols and see one that's unknown and then take a sledgehammer and then start to destroy all of their stuff. It's not what Paul does. Paul doesn't stand on the corner of Athens with a God hates the LGBTQ community poster. He doesn't do that. He doesn't go into the synagogue and start to drag the Athenians. But he engages and he does so, don't miss this, with such tenderness. This word provoked is interesting when he was provoked in his spirit. It's, it holds the same idea of God being provoked in the Old Testament when he looked at the idolatry of Israel. And when he looked at the idolatry of Israel, yes, he punished them, but don't, don't ever get it twisted. It was always done in love. In other words, Paul is engaging them with love. And what Paul does here is, watch how wise Paul is. Paul looks around, finds one place that he can find common ground. He says, you know what? I agree. I don't agree with none of these other gods, but this one, this one God that you marked as unknown, I agree with you. He is unknown to you. But what's unknown to you, I know all about. And so what Paul does is when presenting to the gospel to those who knew nothing about biblical revelation, Paul was not afraid to point to something of common ground. He, he knew the audience that was around him. And some of us are too quick to judge people and look down on people and, 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 and talk about people because they don't live up to biblical values. But what about finding common ground? 
What about looking around and saying, you know what, I, I disagree with 99% of that. But you said something that I agree with and using that as the platform and the foundation to present Jesus. Don't get it twisted. Paul understands the culture, but he is representing Jesus and he's doing it well. Don't miss what he says in verse 18. I told you it's a lot in here. I'm a, I'll give one more point and then we'll pick up the rest next week. Verse 18, he says. He says some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. This, this is what I wanted to get to. Because he was preaching who? Jesus. And the what? The resurrection. The, the scripture clearly said that Paul was preaching Jesus and he was preaching the re resurrection. In fact, it backs it up in verse 30. I hope y'all are rocking with me. The times of ignorance got overlooked, but now... He commands all people everywhere to repent because he is fixed on a day that he would judge the world in righteousness by whom he has appointed of, uh, uh, it says of this, he has given assurance. Here it is again, by the, by raising him from the dead. And now when he, they heard of the resurrection about Jesus of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out of their way, out of their midst and some men joined him and they believed Paul had a moment to engage the culture. He found the common ground. He said, here's an here's a unknown God, but I got to present to you who that God is. And he slips in Jesus. He makes a beeline to Jesus. Yeah, I engaged the culture. Yeah, I've been bumping J. Cole all week. Yeah, I've been watching the shop all week. Yeah, I've been on the breakfast club all week, but don't ever get it twisted. I do those things because I got an agenda to make sure I understand the culture so I can find common ground to say, here's Jesus. And that's why we engage the culture. We, we are built different because we engage the culture not by adding to what the culture is, but by changing it, by helping them to see that they need Jesus. The same way I need Jesus. Paul here doesn't water down the gospel. Paul here doesn't make the gospel in Jesus more uh, palatable. He stands flat footed and begins to tell them about Jesus and the assurance of his mission by the resurrection of Christ. I told y'all before that the resurrection is the crowning proof of Christianity. If you find Jesus, everything falls apart. But Paul in this passage is saying, look, this unknown God that y'all are that y'all are repping here. Let me tell you about him. I know him. His name is Jesus, but don't get it twisted. This is this Jesus you won't see walking around anymore because he fulfilled his mission in 33 years. And after fulfilling his mission, he walked this earth. And after walking this earth, he ascended back to the heaven. And he is now waiting for me. What the culture desperately needs is not more social media influencers. What the culture needs is more Jesus influencers. What the culture needs is not for you to increase your IG followers. What the culture needs is to increase his followers. More people are willing to, we need more people that are willing to infuse Jesus in the spheres of life. See, what I don't want you to do is give your life to Jesus and then sit in the church and do nothing. Get back out to wherever you are, wherever you dwell, wherever you work, wherever you live and give the block Jesus. That's what you're supposed to do. That is what I'm supposed to do. I'm tired of this stuffy church. 
Where we just come in, we sit, and we sing a little bit, and we know the cues. We know when to raise our hand and give offering, and we walk out and we do nothing. But we need people that are in spaces that the church can't go to infuse Jesus in it. Here's why I love a piff, man. A piff, man, window, I don't know if you know, a piff is filled with doctors and lawyers and people in tech and people in media, literally people that work at Twitter and Facebook and people that work at coaching the corporate office and the fashion industry and people that do marketing for Sony and all of the, what God is calling you to is to be that, be in those spaces, but make sure that people hear about Jesus. And sometimes the greatest way they hear about them is not through profession, although I do pray that you get the opportunity to share the gospel. A lot of times they just hear about them by your life, by how you live, by how you walk, how you move, by how you make decisions, by how you respond to hurt and how you respond to hardship and how you respond to changes. They can hear about Jesus. And so Paul says, I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. This unknown God, I love this. We'll deal with it next week. I'm going to get ahead of myself, so I'm not going to preach it too much. But he starts out by saying, this unknown God is the one who made everything. In other words, the God that you have up as a statue, first of all, your little statue can't hold him. Okay, he created the material that you use to make that statue. He starts with creation. He, He says, this one that you don't know about is the one that was born of a virgin. This one that you don't know about is the one that lived a perfect life. This one that you don't know about is the one that died a perfect death. This one that you don't know about is the one that absorbed the very wrath of God that stood against me. This one that you don't know about is the one that rose on the third day. And this one that you don't know about is the one that's coming back for me as a triumphant king. Back for his body. Jesus needs to be proclaimed and Yes, I want to remain culturally relevant, but all of us got to listen. Everybody in your life has an agenda. Everybody's trying to pull somebody to some type of thought and, and, and pull somebody to some type of belief system. Everybody's doing it. So why don't we have agendas? Our agenda is to make sure that we are salt and light, to make sure that people hear about Jesus. Paul was passing through. He, he was on his way to another town but stood enough to make sure that he was engaging the city. I'm going to deal next week with how he, how he moved. He goes in the synagogue. Jews hung out there. And then the Bible says he goes to the marketplace where non-Jews would have hung out. Paul was so serious about this gospel. And yet many of us are not serious. Are you provoked? Is your spirit inside rumbling right now going, how can I engage this city? If it's not, you need to pray and ask God, God, why don't I have this same type of um, desire to engage the neighborhood I live in? Listen, I'm not asking you to save the world. That's God's job. I'm asking you to simply walk this journey of life different because you're built different. Because when God saved you, he didn't save you so that you can be saved in and of yourself so that he wants you saved that so that everybody around you can know about who Jesus is. And some people will never hear about him unless you share with them. Some of y'all are in Athens right now. We can play something soft. I'm landing the plane right here. Some of you guys are in some of us are in Athens right now. And my question is, are we looking at the wrong stuff? Are we not? focusing on what God wants us to focus on. Whatever that desire and whatever that is that God provoked in Paul, is it provoked in us?
And oftentimes it's not. Listen, I'm built different, man. I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to move the same way everybody else move. I don't want to operate the same way everybody else operates. I want to do so thinking kingdom minded. I want to make decisions thinking kingdom minded. I want to see idols that pop up and I want to engage them lovingly, carefully, prayerfully, wisely. I want to engage. And there's too many of us who are silent Christians. I'm not trying to beat nobody up. I'm just, there's too many of us that are silent Christians. Nobody knows that we serve the greatest, the God of gods, the King of kings. Nobody knows it. But they should. And so I, I just simply, I'm going to land the plane, plane today and pray that we would all be better students of the culture in order to engage it. That, that's what I want to pray today. And next week we'll, we'll come back and we'll look at what I want to call Paul's TED Talk. Because <laughs> that's what Paul does. Paul, where he is so masterminded with how he engages those that are in the Areopagus. I didn't deal with it today. Please pipe in next week. Share with somebody next week. We talking more cultural, uh, cultural changes and how we can think differently and how, how we're built different. Father, I pray for everybody piped on today. Father, I realized today was a hard day to get up. It's just, it's one of them days. It was cold. It was wet. Some people still in the bed. And Father, I pray that they would realize that they didn't pipe on today by accident. Maybe it's somebody's first time on and they, they, they've never been, they've never been a part of our church or been to any services or never jumped on to our live stream. They jumped on because Ed told them to jump on this morning. And I thank you for that. But I pray that they would realize it is not by accident. You don't do anything by accident. But they're piped on right now because you're calling them, you're provoking them to engage the idols around them. And sometimes, Lord, the idols around us first have to be dealt with by the idols that are in us. Talk about that next week, Lord. Some of us have so many idols in us and we're too busy trying to get the idols out of those around us. But in reality, there's a bunch of stuff that we call gods in our own life by how we demonstrate our lives and how we walk. So, Father, would you deal with us? Would you help us to be as engaging and loving as Paul is in this passage with the Athenians? Would you help us to be students of the culture around us as Paul is a student of the culture around him? And Father, at the end of the day, we do this for your glory. We, we don't do this because we want any glory. We, we want none of it. We want you to get all of it. So Father, as we engage and as we move, bring yourself glory through us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.